Maniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I am up to my eyeballs in business. I am recording this introduction on a Wednesday, which is a day earlier than I typically do it, because I have got so freaking much going on over the next really over the next two weeks. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it right now. Uh, Tomorrow night, for me, last night, for you, if you are listening to this on the day that it drops, which is a Friday, I will be performing the, well, I will be, myself and a cast of many Needless Things Irregulars and friends of the Needless Things podcast We'll be performing the 200th episode live in front of an audience in downtown Atlanta at the in-town coffee house. Now, you missed it. If you're listening to this now, it's too late. If you weren't there, you unfortunately missed out on the greatest, greatest? Great. It's so great. I had to add a letter to greatest for you to understand how great it was. The greatest media event in the history of extremely small-time independent podcasting. Uh, I am very excited about tomorrow night. Hopefully, as you're listening to this, I'm very pleased about what went down last night. Uh, but anyway, I've got a lot of planning left to do, lots of stuff I've got to get in the can here. So I wanted to go ahead and knock out today's episode of the show and, and have it done. So now I can sit down and make the the final menu, if you will, the menu of delicious entertainment uh, for tomorrow night. But there's no point in talking about that anymore because we're past the point of promotion and into the point of, so stay tuned because at some point it's going, well, in, in just a couple of episodes, it's going to be an episode of the podcast. And our pal Wilson is going to be filming the whole darn thing so that hopefully we can produce it, cut it all together, and release uh, a a video event type thing uh, on YouTube or whatever the best service to host such a thing seems to be. Very, very excited about all of that. But now, to you guys, it's in the past, so let's move on. Or not move on, because real quick I want to talk about the most perfect concert experience I've ever had in my life. I went and saw the MIP Giants this past Saturday night, and I've talked before about how I'm getting old and how I'm tired, and sometimes I just don't want to leave the house. I don't want to do stuff. I'd rather just stay home. But I had bought tickets to this very special They Might Be Giants show, which was a 14-and-up show, which is unusual for them. Uh, and granted, they, they have done, like, matinee shows aimed at families, and then their later-night shows that are a little, uh, you know, it's They Might Be Giants, so there's only so racy. Uh, but... They made a point of saying that this show was going to be something special and different. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew I wanted to see it because they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Easily top five, probably top three. And I've seen them at this point, I guess, a dozen times. And I was really excited. So I bought my tickets to the show, 
And then as the date approached, I was just like, oh, I've got a lot going on. I need to relax a little bit more than I've been relaxing. I've been doing stuff every single day, just working, working, working. But then at the last minute, I was like, I can't miss this. I can't miss this. All I got to do is get downtown, get in there, and I know they're going to put on an amazing performance for me. But the whole downtown thing, I've talked about it before. I hate driving downtown. I hate looking for parking downtown. It's just, for me personally, it's an overwhelming nightmare. But Saturday night, magic happened, you guys. Uh, basically a straight shot downtown. Now, I chose uh, in Waze, which if you don't use Waze, I recommend that you do. It's mostly very, very good. Uh, in Waze, I chose directions to the parking lot nearest to Variety Playhouse, which is where they were playing. Uh, not expecting to actually find parking there, but just as a, once I get to the vicinity, I can figure it out. Went to the parking lot, uh, drove around it. It was full. Now this right off the bat was what I expected. So I wasn't as bummed out by that as you might think I would be. I drove through the parking lot and maintained a positive attitude. I was like, all right, this is happening. I'm down here. All I got to do is find somewhere to put my car and, I, I will get inside, and then might be giants will make their magic happen. So I pulled out of that parking lot, and as I'm driving up Euclid, the street in front of Variety Playhouse, to my right, a car that had been parked on the curb uh, in the, the the parallel parking where you you know pay to park parking meters or whatever it is, street parking. I don't know. I don't live downtown. I don't know what these terms are. But anyway, just the other side of a traffic light that I was waiting at, a car pulled out left. I went through the traffic light, pulled right into their spot, had no trouble parallel parking. Uh, I've got a new car, which I haven't talked about yet. Maybe I will, but I love it. But had no trouble parking, got out, uh, put put the uh, time on the meter, walked right down to the venue, walked inside. The doors opened at 8. The show started at 9. I think I walked through the front doors at 8.52, maybe. Walked up to the bar. And as I got in line at the bar, which wasn't that long in the first place, a guy walks up to me and is like, hey, man, if you go around to the other side, that guy in the red shirt, there's no line over there. And I look, sure enough, no line, walked around, walked right up to the guy, got my beverages, uh, went and found my spot. And within five, six, seven minutes of me finding a spot, which was a pretty darn good spot, they start playing. They might be giants. Come out. Start playing. And they say, hey, Atlanta, we're so happy to be here. Uh, tonight, we are going to be playing two full sets. Uh, this is our first set. We are basically opening for ourselves. And they proceeded to play for an hour a set that satisfied really, like, if, if you're a fan of They Might Be Giants, a casual fan of They Might Be Giants, this hour-long set would have satisfied you. There were some, there were some things in there that I, I didn't expect necessarily to hear live, but they hit a couple of the big ones, and then they let, they said, we'll be back in 20 minutes! And 20 minutes later, on the dot, they came out, played for another, uh, hour and 40 minutes-ish, and just covered their career. And they've been around since, the early 80s, I guess. I, I can't tell you off the top of my head. 82, 83, something like that. And just covered their career, man. And it was one of the most satisfying sets I've ever seen. There there was, they covered so much material that at no point did I feel like, oh, I really wish they had played this because there were so many surprises that I never expected to hear live. 
that I, I there wasn't anything. Oh, and they played for some reason. You know how sometimes when it's a band that you've loved for decades. And you go to their show, and some random song of theirs will get stuck in your head for no good reason. This happened with me. For some reason, Dr. Worm is the song that got stuck in my head prior to this show and is the one that I was like, oh, I hope they play that, even though I've probably heard them play it five or six times. I just wanted to hear them play it. They played it. Uh, they also played No One Knows My Plan. We did the conga line. And here is another portion of the evening that turned out great. So... I have only once before done that they might be Giants conga line because usually I don't want to lose my spot in the venue. But in this instance, I, I was kind of, well, I, I will just say I was in a spot that, that I could see from, but it wasn't amazing. So I was like, you know what? I'm getting in the conga line. It's been probably 10 years since I've done a they might be Giants conga line. I'm hopping in. And I didn't, I, I ended up starting it. And uh, then uh, a young lady got in front of me. Uh, more people were behind me. We're conga lining through the venue. And I end up in the front, probably five people back from the stage. And the conga line just falls apart. I don't know what happened. And I kind of looked around and I was like, I, I'll continue. I'll keep going. And I looked around and they're, they're just, there's another conga line going by. And I was like, you know what? I'm right up front now. I'm, I'm, just a few feet away from Flansburg, Linnell, and their band, which granted I've been in that position before. I've been right at the front of the stage before. But I, this this was a magical night. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay right here. Uh, uh, shortly after that, uh ended up having a brief chat with a lady who suggested to me that she was surprised I even know, knew who They Might Be Giants were because I didn't look old enough to be familiar with them. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm almost 42 years old. And she was like, oh, my gosh. Well, the, the lighting in here must just be really flattering for you. I, I would never have guessed that. So that was nice. Uh, went the rest of the show. And in the closing notes of the final song, and I can't tell you exactly how I knew it was the final song. I just kind of did. It was uh, They played their cover of Cubs. I think it's New York City. Everyone's your friend in New York City. It's an amazing song. If you haven't heard it, look up first. Look up Cub New York City, uh, and then look up They Might Be Giants cover of New York City. It's fantastic. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I think this is it. I'm gonna head to the back. Head to the back. Sure enough, uh, just as I'm getting to the lobby, the lights come up and they're done. And I want some stuff. They had a couple of records for sale that I wanted. Uh, I had already bought a t-shirt that I had to have. So, and, uh, the merch table, I had to go to the bathroom, but the merch table, there were like three people there. It, even though this flood of people were just starting to get to the lobby, three people at the merch table, I went and got in that line. Uh, boom, boom, boom. They were done. I got my records. I got some other goofy stuff and went, walked back out, hopped in my car and boom, beat the traffic, went right home. And I understand that was kind of a long-winded story, but I want you guys to understand, and, and you know, if you've been to rock and roll shows, if you've been to any live event, you know something always goes wrong. Something is always a pain in the ass. And Saturday night, going to see them might be giants, it was perfect. Everything was perfect. The set, the the parking, the, the in and out, the getting my beverages, uh, I, I didn't get too hammered. I, I drank just the right amount. It was just amazing, and I wanted to share that with you guys, uh, as opposed to doing it as a monologue tomorrow night, because I don't think it would play as well live. So there you go. That's what happened, and now I have to look ahead to the future and 
you know, I talked a little bit about Needless Things 200, which is tomorrow night or last night. But you guys are a week out from Days of the Dead Atlanta, which is what this week's episode is about. Our pal, Son of, Cellu- uh, Son of Celluloid, say that six times fast, Nathan Hamilton, is back on the show. He is the director of the Blue Track which is part of Days of the Dead, the touring horror convention. They're in Atlanta next weekend, and we're going to run down every little thing that's going on at Days of the Dead. We're going to talk about the guests, we're going to talk about the events, and we're going to talk about the fact that the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show will be there Friday night putting on a game show like nothing you've ever seen before and like nothing we've ever done before. It is a special horror-themed horror-themed edition of the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show show. And then on Saturday at 4 p.m., Needless Things podcast is going to be doing a Toy Stories panel at Days of the Dead all about horror toys. And you know how those go. Bring your horror toys out. Hang out. Share your stories. It's what we do. I'm so excited to be part of this convention. Uh, me and Mrs. Troublemaker went to the very first Days of the Dead, Atlanta. I think it was in 2012, which seems like an eternity ago. But it was in Peachtree City, and it's one of the most fun times I've ever had at a convention. But every year at Days of the Dead, it's it's a different kind of convention. But me and, and Nathan are going to talk about that, and you guys are going to have a blast listening to it. I love talking to this guy. He's so enthusiastic. He knows his horror so well. And there's nobody that could be a better director for the blue track than this guy. And I say that because he freaking invented it. It's his baby. So Days of the Dead Atlanta, next weekend. We're going to tell you all about it right now. But first, here's a song from our pals, The Casket Creatures. It is one of my favorites. Uh, it, it's, it's not off their newest release, but it's one that I just, I, I've always, I, I've loved it since I first heard it. It, it's, this is one of those songs that's like, oh, that's, that's a part of my life. I can slot that into the soundtrack of my life because I get it. And I think you guys are going to dig it too. Here's B-Movie Massacre from the Casket Creatures. What could this creature be that's haunting you and me? Blood and guts falling off of the silver screen. You hear a frightening yell. Your girl, she tripped the bell. Her body's torn to shred her soul forever trapped in hell. So many ways to die. How will we go tonight? B-Movie Massacre. B-Movie Massacre. You can run, you can scream, but in the end you'll bleed. B-Movie Massacre. B-Movie Massacre. You can fight and hide, but in the end you know you'll die. Chainsaws and butcher knives. I didn't know they had Bill Mosley again. Like, I knew they had Sid Haig, so I was like, oh, right. awesome. Because they're, like, those guys are so cool, there's no burnout for me. Yeah. Like, a lot of guests, you're like, oh, them again. But those guys, like, they're fucking great. I'm yep. just always happy to see them. Uh, I didn't know they had Heather Langenkamp. I'm, I, she's the one I have to meet. While yeah. I'm there, oh, dude. because I you saw you saw my the pictures when I was Nancy for uh, yes. Halloween a couple yes. years ago. Yes, I want her. I want her to sign the phone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I got I got to get her to sign the phone for me. 
And then, uh, let's see, who else? Mean Gene. Uh, like, there were a few on here that I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even know about those. Gene is awesome. I met him at uh, Indianapolis. He's cool. Like, oh, nice. The, the, Gene, the Gene you see on TV, that's like, that's that's Gene. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Now, I would love, like, I know for a fact I'm not going to have time to go stand in his line because it's going to be insane and I'll be right. busy the whole yeah, weekend. Yeah. I would love to meet Malcolm McDowell. Oh, dude, I it's funny because, like, I think it's awesome that he's at Days of the Dead, but he was at Dragon Con three or four years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was whatever year was after Halloween 2 came out. Right. And nobody was there. Nobody was at his table. Really? And I had, because I've bought posters for every Rob Zombie movie, because I, I am a totally unabashed fan of Rob Zombie. Right. I fucking love the music. I love his movies, even though the dialogue makes me cringe. Like, Rob Zombie's dialogue makes my butthole crawl up into my neck. It's so bad. <laughs> right. But I just, I love his movies, man. So, I, I, I love I love his movies. As far as the music goes, I loved White Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally, I understand. Believe me, I understand that. But I, I'm just, I'm a huge Rob Zombie fan. Right. Uh, so I've bought. 27 by 40s of every movie that he's done that has had 27 by 40s. Right. So I went down to Dragon Con with a Halloween 2 27 by 40 and brought it to Malcolm McDowell. And he's like, where did you get this? They didn't even print very many of these. This is crazy. And nobody was at his table. And like, I talked to him briefly and, and you know, it was a fan conversation. It's not yeah. like we were buds or anything. Right. But he was super nice, and it was really cool, and I got a picture with him, and he was just – and, I, you know, I said – it was one of those deals where I was like, well, how much for a picture? And he's like, hey, you're not paying me any money for a picture. Whatever. Come here. Come here. And just got a picture with the guy. Like, it was cool. such an awesome experience. I'm probably going to intentionally avoid him at Days of the Dead. Yeah, I don't want to – Right, because I'm, I'm good. Like, my Malcolm yeah. McDowell memory is, is perfect right now. Yeah. I'm good. I, I wonder if he'll – how it'll be different with him at a, you know, a straight up horror con. I, you know, I bet he was so laid back and talky at Dragon Con. I really feel like he'll probably be one of those guests that people are like, I can't believe how fucking cool he was. Like, I think he'll be one of those guys. Awesome. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. This is gonna make. I, I love. I love hearing that about people. I. I really. He was just. He was ready to to be down with people. He was ready to hang out and talk. Like uh, it was it was really surprising because I mean, I've been a fan of that guy for I mean, Clockwork Orange. I watched that yeah. movie so many times that I stopped liking that movie for a while. Right. That was, that was like, one of my that was one of my first. You know, oh, this movie's so subversive. I love it. Type yeah. of flicks. You know. Well, and and the first time I saw it. Um, because I I've got I probably need to sit sit down and write a post about this someday, um of of movies that made me uncomfortable the first time I watched them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man is is the like number one on my list. <laughs> that's the number nice. one. That's the number one. I feel like humanity is dirty, but uh, Clockwork Orange was was one of the ones. It was one of the first ones that I was just like after it was over. I was blown away. I knew it was amazing, but at the same time, I was just like, I almost wish I hadn't watched that. Right. But it made me love Malcolm McDowell because it was so 
powerful what he did. And then from then on, I mean, you know, a couple of years after that, I'm working at Suncoast Video and we get in Caligula. I'm like, oh, it's little Alex. Let me check this movie out. (laughs) And it's a whole different ballpark. Oh, yes, a whole different kind of uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, I I want to see that decapitation machine make a comeback in a movie. Oh, dude. I uh, well, and here's but here's the one. Here's the one that uh, um, Matthew Lillard, dude, Dude, coming out of uh, Indianapolis. He was the one everyone was talking about, saying he was as cool as could be. He was like he was walking around like talking to people, like taking se- like grabbing people's phones and taking selfies with them and stuff, and just apparently just a real. Oh, that's really so cool great guy. to hear. That's so great to hear because I've I've always liked him. I mean, I liked him since Scream, uh, but then uh, SLC dude, Tong- 13, 13 Ghosts is so underrated. Yes. Oh, dude. so underrated. All of those. What was it? Thirteen Ghosts. Um, I House on Haunted Hill. Yes, I loved House on Haunted Hill. Like Me that too. stuff was so weird and R rated at the time when PG thirteen horror was the thing. Yeah, those those two are, and you know, as a rule, I usually dislike remakes. Sure, sure. But because you know, what percentage of them are any good? <laughs> right. Right. But those those two, like, what was it? Dark Castle, wasn't it? Yeah, Dark Castle, dude. I That's right, because like... they were doing the because they were doing the William Castle movies. Right, right, right. And like, they did they did House of Wax too, didn't they? Well, and here's here's my my dirty horror secret. I like House of Wax. I like Ghost Ship. I like <laughs> I like the first five minutes of Ghost Ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, yes, and that first five minutes, even though now. When you go back and watch it, you're like, wow, this is some really fucking horrible CGI. <laughs> right. But, like, the cast of that movie is so good, and we didn't know it at the time. Yeah. But, but now it's like, holy shit, what are these people doing in this movie? Um, but I, I love that little run of movies just for the the chunk of R-rated horror that it oh, was. Yeah. Because and it, it wasn't a... Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, right. Urban Legends, right. Faculty, all that stuff. And, it wasn't teeny bopper R. And that's what, you know, that's what happened. And I, look, I love the first Scream movie, but what it did to horror was oh. terrible. Agreed, wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, that first one's an awesome movie, and it should have ended there. Uh, yeah, it really should have. And, and look, I'm not going to lie, if the other ones are on TV, well, no, I think the third one is the one where I was like, oh no, this isn't good anymore. But the, se- I think I enjoyed the second one well enough, like, it wasn't a purchase, but it was like, okay, that's fine, I'm good with that. If it's on TV, I'll watch it. But after that, I think it's just where I was like, alright, th- this is enough. You, your, your parody card has been punched too many times. I mean, on a screen two through four, I saw all three in the theater and have not watched them since. Yeah. Yeah, I can and believe me, I can understand that totally. Yeah. I mean, I'll go back and watch one every now and then cuz you know, I, you know, it's a great movie, but uh Kevin Williamson's you know, hold on horror during the 90s was a uh an unfortunate thing. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was rough times. Yeah. We, right. we we were not blessed at that point. I and then that know. was that was my freaking teenage years, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just coming out of my teens, and and I think it's interesting though because all of that PG thirteen stuff led me to look further back, and when that stuff was coming out, is when I started discovering like Last House on the Left and all the older hardcore stuff 
that hadn't made it to me at the video store because it didn't have right. monsters on the front. Because I was yeah. I was always a big monster guy. Like I mm-hmm. I needed there to be some kind of freaky looking dude or creature or whatever for my VHS like blockbuster or movie stop or whatever it was. Right. It had to have some weird looking thing on the cover. That was my kind of horror. And I think when that PG-13 stuff started coming out is when I delved back into, like, the 70s people horror. Right. And started, like, understanding that stuff and the impact that it had. So, like, that I have an appreciation for the PG-13 shit only because it drove me further back into stuff I hadn't checked out before. And I think that's also when I started discovering um, stuff like The Blind Dead and Argento and, like, all of that. Like, because... I went to the video store and I wasn't interested in what was current, so I started looking at older stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was 12 when I first saw my first horror movie. It was Night of the Living Dead. And then when I was 13, I went, bought my first horror movies. I went to Suncoast and I bought, it was, I remember, still remember, it was three VHSs for 20 bucks. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I bought Night of the Living Dead. I bought Plan 9 from Outer Space. And I bought, just because the cover looked cool, Lucio Fulci's The Gates of Hell. Oh, dude, fucking Gates of Hell was, I, that was probably my first Fulci movie. Yeah, me too. And that being like one of the first horror movies I ever saw, like blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, cause that's pretty hardcore. So I was like, you know, watching, you know, other stuff, you know, other stuff. And I'd be like, I don't know. I want that hardcore. So, so I bought an issue of Fangoria and I was ordering, you know, the movies out of the gray market. Yes. Catalogs yes. In the back, you know. So, you know, by the time I was 15, Scream came out, I'd already watched a bunch of Argento and Fulci and all that stuff. I was like, what is this weak shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, you got got in on it. Age-wise, you got in on it earlier than me, for sure. And and that was the thing. And and also, just a note for you and for the listeners, this conversation has gotten too good. So this is officially part of the show. Oh, okay, that works. we're, (laughs) We're in the shit now. Because I had no idea I was being recorded, so it was off the cuff. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> People, this is, is this one of those two party consent states? I'm not sure. No, it's not. All we all we need is one party consenting, and it's good to go. Fair you can, enough. You can take that shit to court. But yeah, dude, that 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 all the weird shit. Now, granted, um, I I was I had already like Reanimator and From Beyond and all the oh, From all Beyond, the cool, so good. yeah, dude. All the cool American stuff at that point I had seen, and I think that's what it was, is the PG-13 era kind of drove me into the Italian stuff and the foreign stuff that I hadn't really experienced before. And so I, you know, I thank it for that. I appreciate it for that. Got my, my favorite experience with one of those PG-13 horror movies was back in high school, I, w- I was a, you know, one of the black trench coat kids. Sure, sure. And there was, for a while, I decided that this black bucket hat with a wyvern looked cool on me. I don't know what I was smoking. (laughs) But I was wearing that when I went to see I Know What You Did last summer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So you're dressed like the guy. Basically. And so, you know, we're sitting there. The credits finish rolling. I stand up, and the girl behind me screams and runs out of the theater. (laughs) And it took me a minute to figure out what had just happened. And once I realized, I'm like... Oh my god, I'm wearing this to every movie now from now on. <laughs> You're like, this is my life now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's all right. We've we've dipped our toes into horror a little bit. We've given the listeners just a little bit of a taste of uh 
of of our backgrounds, just a tiny tiny portion, but we're not really here just to talk tip. about just a, just a, just the tip. Yeah, we're not here to talk about us. We're here to talk about Days of the Dead Atlanta. Atlanta's biggest horror party of the year is coming up right at the beginning of February. Atlanta's, I'm so excited. Atlanta's most badass party of the year, and I I will. This is the show that we go to to have fun. And granted, for the first time ever, I'm working this show this year, but it's still the show that I'm like, this is just buckets and buckets of gooey, drippy fun all weekend. Now, do you want to start with the blue track, or do you want to run through the guests a little bit first? Uh, let's uh, let's go with the guests first. Why okay. not? We'll, okay. uh, we'll save the blue track. Okay. Save the best for last. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got a rundown. We've we've both got the uh the website pulled up here. And, let's give uh, everyone the details right quick. Days of the Dead Atlanta is February second through fourth, twenty eighteen. It's at the Atlanta Sheraton. And you go to daysofthedead.net and that will take you to the website. That's where you get your tickets, that's where you get all the information, and there's the pertinent details. Absolutely. That's all you need to know at this point. I mean yeah. honestly, just from the conversation we've been having for the past like ten minutes, everybody should be sold. Like these guys are going to this show. This is all we need. But yeah, we we will be there. We're and somehow we're not on the website as you know featured guests. But you know, keep in mind we will be there. You can come get pictures, autographs, whatever. Dude, we're under the radar. We're we're the deep cuts. We're we're punk rock. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's us. Right. But but heading at the top of the bill, the main attraction, the marquee stars. First of all, we have Malcolm McDowell. Ah, uh, holy Alex, shit, man! Dude. What like? Let's think about this. If you're in Atlanta, the first weekend in February, you can come meet Malcolm McDowell. Fucking a crazy. legit legend. Yes, absolutely. One of the one of the biggest names in. I mean, you can't even just say horror. No, in, he's just he's just a cinema legend, right? In weird genre. Like, I will take that role, and I will ruin your nightmares, guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, from Caligula on up, he was in Cat People. Help me out from the top of my head here. Sweetest pie in person. Oh, yeah. Oh, class of 1999. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Malcolm McDowell will be there. And also, none other than, and look, this is... I love him in this role, so I'm going to throw this out there. Bear with me. Shaggy from James Gunn's Scooby-Doo movies, which is where I became a fan of James Gunn. Matthew Lillard is going to be there. But also, as we know, Nathan, from the horror side. Oh, as we were talking about earlier, man, 13 Ghosts, one of the most underrated horror movies of the 90s, and he was... I mean, his yes. performance in that movie was so awesome. He was such a great character. Well, he's one of those guys that the second he comes on screen, you buy whatever he's doing. Like, I, I have, I never have any trouble immediately believing whatever character he's playing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, and, then, you know, and in Scream, he played all of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was the horror nerd. I mean, he, yeah. he is the horror nerd. And from what I understand... He really is the horror nerd. Oh yeah, like like I was, you know, like I was saying earlier, he was at uh, Days of the Dead in Indianapolis. Easy for me to say. <laughs> last year, 
And he was awesome. Like, all the fans came out just raving about how cool he was, and he just wanted to talk horror with everybody. And that, see, that's awesome. And that's, that's the thing I love about, and obviously we're putting over Days of the Dead, but this is a legit thing that I would say on any episode of this podcast. That's the thing I love about Days of the Dead is every single guest that's there, you really get to get up close and personal with them. Um, they're, they're there having as much fun as you're having. It's not a deal like Dragon Con where they go to their table, they sit at their table, and then they leave after eight hours and you never see them again. Like, they're there to hang out and talk to people and have fun. And it's, it's this entirely different scenario from most conventions I've been to where not just the guests are there to have fun and party, or I, I'm sorry, the, the attendees are there to have fun and party, but the guests are as well. Like, I, I've been going to Days of the Dead for many years now. And over the years, I've, dude, I've dude, drank... Dude, dude, Peachtree City Originals. Peachtree City Originals. Fuck I did yes. Indianapolis, and now that I'm doing uh, Blue Track, I've been to all of them. And I've... God, I've, I have drank moonshine with horror icons. I have bummed cigarettes to people that I grew uh, up watching. I have... You know, it, the whole experience, you don't just walk up and get your autograph, like you said. You're It's like you're hanging out with all these people for the weekend. Everyone's there at the same cool party. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's it's on, you know, everybody's in the same hotel. Everybody's there like, you know what? We all love the same shit. Let's hang out and be cool. Uh and then the obviously the connection between wrestling and horror is a strong one. It's the same fan base basically. Oh, absolutely. And so you've got Mean Gene Okerlund recently announced, which is huge for me because when I look back to when I first got into wrestling, when I first got into the WWF, Mean Gene was the guy that was introducing me to all of those larger-than-life personalities. How many people do you think walk up to his table and say, let me tell you something, Mean Gene? Oh, everybody. everybody. How tired and, do you think? Either that or Mean Woo Gene. <laughs> One of the two. I, I, uh, I will absolutely be walking up to his table in just a couple of weeks here and saying, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. No, no doubt. I'm that guy. I'm totally that guy. So we've got Mean Gene Oakland is going to be there, but also Shawn Michaels one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. A lot of people would put him at number one on their list. You ask the greatest wrestlers of all time who the greatest wrestler of all time is, and nine times out of ten, they say Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to say Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels are his Ric his picks. Ric Flair will tell you he's number two. Yeah, yeah. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So Shawn and Michaels. And if, if Ric Flair admits he's number two at anything, that's I, right. saying something. That's significant. Um, but that, like, that's crazy that they're going to be there. Uh, my personal favorite Ghostbuster, Ernie Hudson, not only is he going to be there, and, and I feel it's important just for the sake of our pal Red Ranger to mention that Ernie Hudson was also in the crow in something of a breakout role because like absolutely that's my that's as much as i love ghostbusters that's my favorite ernie hudson role well that he the, has the crow was one of those integral movies of my teenage years you know well and hudson had some gravitas in that like he oh, yeah. really had some weight he carried a large portion of the plot uh it was and it in was in a movie also, that easily could have spun off the rails he kept it grounded yes absolutely because we 
and it was because we knew him and we were like, oh wow, look, look what he's doing. And he yeah. managed to make that turn from kind of comic relief to this, this serious anchor of this crazy ass movie. But, uh, not only and then is throwing Ryan... the switchblade at the bullseye. Oh, that was just yeah. badass. Dude, dude. He, well, he's going to be there. But if you go to daysofthedead.com slash Atlanta, is it slash or is it backslash? I never know. Uh, uh, slasher. I slasher. Daysofthedead.com slasher Atlanta. Uh, there are tickets there. You can buy a ticket for. Like, they've got all the VIP stuff. Like, you can buy a ticket for a picture with Malcolm McDowell or a picture with Shawn Michaels, uh, like I did. And you can buy a ticket to get a picture with Ernie Hudson in his Winston Zeddemore Ghostbusters costume. So, Which is so cool. Yeah, right. If you've got a Ghostbusters costume like my son does, you can wear it down to Days of the Dead, get your picture with Winston Zeddemore, and... Where else can that even happen? As long as you don't cross the streams, you're good. That's right. Yeah, and, and and speaking of crossing the streams, if you run into any of these celebrities in the restrooms, don't talk to them there. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. No, no, don't be that guy. Let them pee in peace. All right, let's move down to the legendary list here. Now, we've got Karate Kid, which is a formative movie for anybody my age. Oh, yeah. Ralph Macchio, William Zabka from Karate Kid. But then you add to that equation C. Thomas Howell, and you have The Outsiders. Uh, Yeah, you've kind of got that crossover there. It's kind kind of a triangle match going on. It absolutely is a triangle match. So there's... You know, anybody our age, I'm, I'm gonna be 42 in just a couple of short months here, and believe me, my body's falling apart, my mind's falling apart, but this year is gonna be the year of Dave West slash Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, but anybody my age. The yeah, you're basically coming to the Sheraton to see your childhood. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, because these guys, like, I mean, think about the first time you saw Karate Kid and Daniel's son, Going through the training, being this beaten up, abused kid. That if chances are, uh, Nathan, I don't think you'll disagree with me on this. If you're a horror fan, if you grew up a horror nerd, you probably dealt with some shit, at least a little. <laughs> and Karate Kid, even though it's not horror, but you saw Daniel Son dealing with the same kind of shit that you got dealt, and coming back and hitting the fucking crane kick and winning the day, and that was inspirational. And now you can meet Ralph Macchio, the guy, the man, at Days of the Dead, and his nemesis, which some of us... Look, I lean towards the good side. I I, re, I strive for the light. But there's some of I'm us... I'm a creature of the dark, man. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I can... I Look, you're, I, you, you can see the heel path. You might be more of a William Zabka guy. You might be yes. a Cobra Kai guy. Sweep the leg, Mr. Lawrence. Ah, for the week. See? And that's what I'm talking about is you got both sides there and then right in the middle see Thomas Howell, uh, who completes their outsiders trifecta, but was also in The Hitcher, which is a legit mm-hmm. horror connection. So even if you're not a Karate Kid fan, go up and talk to Ralph Macchio for Johnny. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then we've got two staples 
of Days of the Dead and, and really of horror conventions in general. But for me, I I am always a hundred percent delighted to see these guys because they were two of the first celebrities I ever met in my life uh, back in either 2005 or 2006. I can't ever remember. I met Bill Mosley and Sid Haig. Uh, they were two of the first famous people I ever had any kind of interaction with. And they were both just as nice as could be, willing to talk, super cool. Uh, and this was before I had even seen House of, House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, at the time, I was just a Rob Zombie fan looking forward to seeing his new movie. Right. Um, I remember so, at being at Dragon Con, and I, th- I don't remember when it was, but it was about five years before House of a Thousand Corpses actually came out, and getting promotional stickers for it. Oh, you <laughs> know what? That was how long it took to come out. You know what? And now that I'm thinking about it, because Devil's Rejects came out in 2005, so this actually would have been prior to that because I had I had seen House of a Thousand Corpses, but Devil's Rejects wasn't out yet. Okay. So it was, it was some time around there. But anyway, they were both just incredible. And every time I've talked to them since then, they're just the nicest, most enthusiastic guys. They're happy to meet fans. And on top of all that, uh, Sid Haig will be doing photo ops in the Captain Spaulding costume. Yeah, these guys are... It's almost not Days of the Dead without these guys at this point. There's a couple yeah. of the mainstays. And they're... It's funny because people complain, why do you get the same guests? Whatever. You walk into that dealing room and Sid Haig will have people at his table and Bill Moser will have people yes. at his table without fail because everybody drunk. loves these guys and they're so approachable they're amongst the you know most personable cele- celebrities i've met at any of these they're both great guys yeah they're they're huge draws even like they're the guys that are like bill mosley every time you see him he's going to be standing up at his table he's going to be talking to people he's going to have posters that he's signing he's going to be engaged and enthusiastic and sid haig is always like when you when you go up and talk to him he's going to get up and you're going to get your picture with him and he's going to be super nice and cool and happy to see you like both of those guys are just they love the genre they love fans. They're, it's so rewarding to meet both of those guys. As And Sid Haig, if you talk to him for a minute, you realize that he's not too far off from Captain Spaulding just without the homicidal urges. <laughs> like, that's his sense of humor. That's his, you yeah. know, he's awesome. He's hilarious. And, oh, my God, some of the stories that dude has. Everything from shooting in the Philippines with Pam Greer to, you know, working with Tarantino. This guy's got stories for days. Well, and that's one of the cool things is that all these guys are going to end up on panels for Days of the Dead. So you can go hear their stories, their recollections, uh, things about uh, their careers and about uh, shoots and whatever else. Like you, you get an hour of basically interview time with these guys that you go and you get to hear these great stories that are, that each one is like its own podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the Black Track, that is where all of your celebrity uh, interviews are going to be going down, so make sure you check out that schedule on the website. And uh, let's see here, what else have we got? We got the kids from it. From the yeah, new, wait. From, well, we got the kids from the new it, and the old it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole we've uh, 
Jeremy Ray Taylor, Chosen Jacobs, and then let's see, let me roll down to uh, Brandon Crane, Ben Heller, and Marlon Taylor from the original miniseries version of it. So there's a whole convergence there. And uh, I, I don't want to belabor the guest list too much, but we got to run. I want to run through it because we've got Ray Wise, who Ray freaking Wise, man, right? For for a lot of people is going to be from Twin Peaks. Totally understandable. To me, he's the devil from Reaper. Yes, that yes, show was fucking awesome. And Ray Wise as the devil is the most perfect casting I've ever seen in my life. But I would bet if we pulled 20 random people from the Needless Things podcast audience, each one of them would have a different, like, oh, well, to me, Ray Wise is this. Mm-hmm. Because the guy's been in so many different things. But I, I to me, he's the devil. Uh, Meg Foster, who is credited here for They Live in Jeepers Creepers 3, but to me is Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn, man. Yes. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, Jonathan Breck, continuing the Jeeper Creepers chain. Uh, he's from Jeepers Creepers 2. Heather Langenkamp. All right, Nathan, take it. Uh, Heather Langenkamp really set the template for the final girl in horror and still one of the best and she's the one i really have to meet because i was nancy from nightmare on elm street for halloween two years ago and i built one of those phones which she is holding in the picture on the website yes and i have to get her to sign it yes now are, yes. are you let me let me ask you are you going to dress as nancy to get her to sign it Dude, I have on. not decided that yet. Well, I may, I may not. Your time, your time is at a premium, so I understand. Yeah, it's not I may not have time for a costume changes. But if but you, we will see. If you can, I think that should happen. Now, this is I mentioned Shawn Michaels. I went ahead, went to the ticket site, and put down my money to get a picture with Shawn Michaels. The other ticket that I went ahead and put my money down for because I have to have it is Alex Vincent who was in the original Child's Play and also in Cult of Chucky, which, uh, for the listeners, if you have not watched Cult of Chucky, holy shit, what's wrong with your life? Because Cult of Chucky is... Dude. I'm, I'm about to commit heresy right here. Oh, no. Aside from Bride, it might be my favorite Chucky movie. Ooh. It might be my favorite of the horror or actual horror-oriented Chucky flicks. Oh, man. I... I, uh... I love three, it. Part three is a close second, but I can't separate Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky because obviously the the story right is a direct continuation. It's but, a Halloween one and two situation. I, well, it really is. And Curse of Chucky blew my mind so much by being so good. You know, after after Seed of Chucky, I thought the franchise was done because I didn't mm-hmm. I, I didn't like it at all. I thought it was terrible. And then they came back with Curse of Chucky, and it was this smaller-scale, intense, personal horror flick that I was like, oh, shit, that was really good. How did that happen? And then Cult of Chucky came back, and while it still feels like it's sort of a smaller-scale thing, it's fucking crazy. Like, it, it's, it, it takes a basic budget and creates this really insane premise 
but Alex Vincent, who was, and I can't remember the character's name, shoot me if you must, but he was the kid in the original Child's Play, and he comes back for Cult of Chucky and is tremendous, but I put down my money to get a picture with Alex Vincent and an original screen-used Chucky doll. I tell you what I loved about Curse and Cult okay. is I always had an issue with the Child's Play movies because, yes, they're fun flicks, but I didn't understand why I should be scared of something I could easily punt across the room. <laughs> it just didn't register with See, me. To, to when some you come, people, though, that's their horror. Right. But when you get to Curse and Cult, they found a way to make him a viable threat. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm not, if you haven't seen them, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But they keep finding ways to make ch- make it, you know, realistic to where Chucky could really fuck you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did a very good job. And I, you know what? I, having watched those, I I almost feel like the filmmakers were conscious of what you were saying. Of, right, and that's why for me, those two work even better than the original trilogy as horror movies. Yeah, yeah, that totally and, makes sense. And two words. Jennifer Tilly. Oh man! Oh. right. Mm. When are, when are we going to get Jennifer Tilly at Days of the Dead? I've been asking that for a long time. So she's <laughs> she's she's hard to nail down. She's a very busy woman. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's. Uh, all right, we've got to move into a whole subcategory that's a very special Days of the Dead Atlanta treat. Oh yeah, and that is Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight. This huge reunion. What is up with this? No, we brought. Of, of course, Kane is going to be there, and that you know, Kane Hotter, the you know, just about everyone's favorite. Jason, now everyone's got their favorites. He's definitely mine, and we've got a lot of the cast members coming. It's one of the things Days likes to do is bring together you know groups from a movie. Who it's fun because a lot of these people before they do these conventions haven't seen each other in forever. So it's really a you know a really happy joyous occasion for them to be around and meet the fans and be get to be around each other and everything. It's just a really cool energy. And if you if you're one of the autograph hounds who likes to get their poster signed by everyone in the movie, man, here's your chance to get a bunch of them in one fell swoop. Yeah, yeah. This is this is really solid. And I mean, for any and look, it's Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight. It's Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, it's, it's at best divided from the fan viewpoint, but here's the bottom line. It's a fucking Friday the 13th movie. We love this franchise. We love Jason. And if you go back and watch that movie, it's so much fun. And the cast, like, I imagine these guys are going to be so much fun to hang out with. Like, yeah, even if it's your least favorite Friday the 13th movie, just by virtue of it being a Friday the 13th movie, it is a legit genre classic. Yes, absolutely. And we've all got it. Look, I'm not going to lie. I own this movie, and I'm going to bring a copy of it to get all of these people to sign. And actually, Kane Hodder is another one of those guys that's kind of a con favorite. We actually have um, three years in a row of family portraits with Kane Hodder. Not. Who's he strangling in these pictures? <laughs> uh, he in the first one he's uh, strangling me, and the second one my son is up on his shoulders, and in the third one he's strangling my wife. Nice. <laughs> it's it's beautiful, and unfortunately we trailed off after that because we stopped 
Uh, my son got a little older and we were kind of like, all right, he's at the age where cons are going to start warping him a little bit. So we've got to, <laughs> we've, we've got to take a, a six to eight year break before we bring him back. But, uh, gotcha. with, within the next Don't couple want him to end of years. Up like us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I, that's okay, but I want to give him the opportunity to, to do other things, you know? Right. But, uh, so yeah, big Friday the 13th part eight reunion there and, uh, Kane Hodder, huge draw. I mean, you've, you've got to visit that guy's table. And then Eileen Dietz, who was the, uh, the horrifying face of Pazuzu in the exorcist. Like that's awesome. I've, it, I got to horror movies fairly late and through my childhood. And by the time I saw him, I, I was kind of, you know, past being really scared of him. But one of the things that, like, legit freaked me out was The Exorcist and those flashes of her face. Oh, dude. To as this, Pazuzu. To this and, day watching that, I, I still, I, I get that, uh, that, that uncomfortable butthole clench. Yeah, it's not one of those things that you see, it gets you the first time, and then you're like, oh, I know it's coming. It's going. No, it still gets you. Yes. And yes. it will never, that face will never stop being freaky. So yeah, she's going to be down there, uh, and obviously, look, you're going to be able to get a signed picture of Pazuzu. What the? Do you even have to question that? Really? Uh, Tracy Lords, a legend in many genres. Yeah, there there are movies. I warn you, there are movies she refuses to sign. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, interesting. So, so be, be prepared. To select from her her table of pictures, uh, Stan Shaw. Yeah, there, there are there are certain movies from when she was younger. Sure, we'll say sure. that don't bring that doesn't go over well. Well, she she <laughs> transcended her earlier career. Let's just say absolutely. That. She has continued on and uh, made quite the name for herself. Uh, Stan Shaw, who's a horror staple, uh, Monster, Monster Squad. squad and, well, Monster Squad. That's. Someday a Monster Squad reunion will happen somewhere. Oh, that'll be awesome. It will I be. I can't awesome. wait for it. Uh, and then we've got uh, Eugene Clark, who was Big Daddy one in of, Land yeah, of the Dead. One of the most significant zomb one of the most significant Romero zombies. The last iconic Romero zombie. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because after I, I had at Days of the Dead Louisville on my the blue track, I had a panel with him where he was answering questions about the movie while they were making him up as Big Daddy for his um, photo op. Oh, wow. So you, you got to watch the transformation while he was doing the panel, and that he is the nicest dude possible. You need to go talk to Eugene. He's an awesome, awesome guy. And uh, let's see. Okay, Robert Hall. What can you tell we'll me that, about we'll Robert get, Hall? Uh, we'll get back to Robert Hall. Later. Okay, okay, cool, cool. And then uh, Warrington Gillette, who is also part of the Friday the 13th legacy uh, from the second Friday the 13th. Baghead Jason. Yes, which I would be willing to bet there will be no less than five Baghead Jason costumes at Days of the Dead. At least. At least. And then yeah, finally, there's always Jason, Jason and Michael Myers seem to be the most popular costumes at Days of the Dead, year after year after year. Well, and what's what's awesome, getting into the costume aspect of it, you know, if you're going down there just to hang out, you're going to have a great time. But you're also going to get the opportunity to see some of the most amazing costumes you've seen because you're going to have Jasons, you're going to have Leatherfaces, you're going to have Michael Myers, like the people that are just there hanging out at the convention 
are going to have these amazing we, Tucker and Dale. It was the first time I saw Tucker and Dale costumes. Was it Days of the Dead? Nice. All of these great Such horror a good costumes. Movie. Uh, you'll see Phantom Murder Maker will be down there with one of my two weird skin masks that I wear because they're super easy and actually much more comfortable than wrestling masks. Uh, <laughs> if you've got a horror-related costume, shit, it, it doesn't even have to be horror-related. If you've got a costume, you can wear it down there. And uh, absolutely, costumes are welcome. They're celebrate. We've got even got a costume contest on Saturday. You can enter if you want to. What, so what am, yeah, definitely wear your costumes. One of my favorite costumes that I ever saw at Days of the Dead, uh, Baby from uh, Devil's Rejects. I mean, you know what I'm talking about the mm-hmm. pussy, pussy liquor scene. Oh yeah, yeah. I I remember yeah, yeah. what my favorite costume related story was. I wore my Leatherface costume one year when I was there. Yes, and. I'm leaving the screening room to go outside and have a cigarette, and I walk through the doorway and lock eyes with a Franklin in a wheelchair <laughs> across the across the convention area, and we just locked eyes, and we knew exactly what had to happen. And so I ran over there and took the saw to him, and people were taking pictures, and it was a great con moment. That's amazing. And see, that kind of stuff happens the whole weekend. It's very fun, laid-back, like everybody hanging out with everybody there no there no like there's no cast system down there there's nobody that's like too cool for anybody else it's everybody's just down there to party and have fun and love horror it's like i always say sometimes going into a large group of strangers whatever can be intimidating you know yeah. some people some people it's not but how much cooler is it when you can walk into like not not only you know well, you probably know some people there but walk into this place with hundreds of people, and know you have common ground and something to talk about and a shared passion with each and every one of them. And that's absolutely what it is. And and just to wrap up the guests that are down there, Captain and Maybell, local legends, uh, Carnival Sideshow, Guinness World Book Record Holders. Multiple world record holders. Yes. They put on one of the most, not just entertaining and weird, but also endearing shows you will ever see. These guys are consummate performers. They, every, and not only are they performers, but they're historians of the sideshow, and they have such a passion for what they do that, you know, you, when you watch them perform, that passion bleeds through and you just can't help get caught up in it. And they're genuine sweethearts. Like, oh yeah, you will watch them. You will watch their show. You will watch them perform, and you'll be like, "Holy shit, what that guy just did with his eyeballs!" And then <laughs> after the show, though, they're hanging out, they're talking, they're having a good time. Once again, it's this approachable, fun environment that they love being there. They're putting on this badass show, and you're like, whoa, that just blew my mind. I don't understand what that man just did with his septum, but it made me hurt. But then afterwards, he's like, hey, what's going on, guys? It, it's it, it's an environment like no other. I love the fact that you just said the sentence, I don't know what that man just did with his septum. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's... But before, before we move on from the guest list, though, there's one more that we need to mention. Let's do it. Saturday at 10 p.m., the Casket Creatures. Casket Creatures, 10 p.m. at Days of the Dead Atlanta, are going to put on the greatest fucking rock show. There's no better fit for this convention than the Casket Creatures. I was like, and Elzig will be there, too. Oh, dude. 
Elzig is, well, if you haven't seen Elzig, I don't even know what to say to you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to let one of our sponsors spew some words into your ears. Hopefully, hopefully you'll check their stuff out. And then we'll be right back, and we will run down what's happening. Hashtag Code Blue with the blue track. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between. This is the son of celluloid, Nathan Hamilton, along with... Battle Cougar, Nicole Gould. And we are here to talk to you about our brand new podcast... Caught Dead Watching. Yeah, we're talking about all the stuff that normal people wouldn't be caught dead watching, but we don't expect normal listeners. So if you dig those so bad they're good movies, please join us on our podcast. We're on the first episode. We're going to be talking about... Barn of the Blood Llama. A beautiful, poignant tale about llama incest, bowling, cheap haggis, and mad science. So if that sounds like something you're into, please join us at... CaughtDeadWatching.Podbean.com And I promise you're going to love it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the debut of Caught Caught Dead Dead Watching. Watching. So join us and enjoy. Alright, so now it is time to talk about your horror baby, the blue track. Now first of all, before we run down what's going on this year Days of the Dead Atlanta at the blue track, how did this happen, man? How did you become the man? Well, as far as the blue track goes, what happened was uh, a couple of years ago, my girlfriend, who my lovely, beautiful, wonderful girlfriend, who works at DragonCon, got me into hosting a couple of panels there. So I'm looking around, and Days of the Dead always had one panel track. It was all the celebrity interviews. And I'm sitting there looking around, I'm like, you know, we've got some really cool stuff going on in this room, and there's not a celebrity in sight. This is all fan run. This is all, you know, about that kind of stuff. So I went to Days of the Dead, and I'm saying, hey, guys, tell you what. Give me a room, give me a PA, and let me make some magic happen. And, you know, I've never run a panel. I mean, I've run panel. I've never run a track before. I don't know what I'm doing. But, <laughs> you know, credit to them. They let me go. They were like, yeah, man, son of celluloid, take this and do what you want with it. And so it was split into the black and blue tracks. I am the blue track, hashtag code blue. And what we do is we focus on independent horror. We focus on local talent. We focus on all the cool cultural stuff going on in horror outside of just those celebrity interviews. And it's, it's, you know, fan run. It's for fans. I'm just a fan. I'm, I'm not a celebrity. And I just run this thing as a horror nut with the kind of stuff that I know I would want to see. And man, it's blown up. If we first started in Atlanta last year, we've taken it all the way around the loop, and by the end of the year, man, Chicago's attendance, which was the last show of last year, beat Atlanta's from last year. So Blue Track is growing. It's you know going to keep going. It's going to be you know it's an institution now. We're doing it in every city, and I'm really excited about the you know programming I've got to present this year. So what's happening? What's going on this year in Atlanta? All right. Well, we start with Friday. Friday is a very special day for me because, A, it's my birthday, and, B, it's kind of Blue Track's homecoming. This is where it all started, so this is also Blue Track's first birthday party and its homecoming and almost its victory party because there were doubters. There were people who did not think the Blue Track would catch on, and now a year later, we're bringing the biggest show. So, yeah, we've got panels about movies and everything the rest of the weekend, but Friday night, I'm just throwing a party, man. <laughs> So at 8 o'clock, we've got Sin and Salvation. What this is, is Graveyard Gospel, who had the mo- maybe the only acoustic show that's ever almost got shut down for noise complaints last year. 
<laughs> rather, rather controversial going on. And uh, we've got them, and they are going to be performing. Uh, that features uh, Cliff from the Casket Creatures, amazing band if you've never heard them. They're great. And they are going to be interspersing their show with Bump in the Night Ghoulesque. Yes. So, yeah, we've, we've got terrifying and tantalizing on the same stage, man. It's going to be... It's you know candy for the eyes and ears. That's going on at 8 p.m. on Friday night, and then at 10 o'clock we've got a very special event. Why don't you tell us about that one? At 10 o'clock for the first time ever at Days of the Dead, the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. Now, most of the listeners are probably familiar with this, but if you're not, it is an 18 and up filthy dirty game show where we take, now in most cases, pop culture, but in this case, specifically horror, and play dirty, dirty games with it. We're going to pull people out of the audience to compete for prizes, and we're just going to have a whole lot of fun. Think, I I don't want to be too ambitious. I don't want to say Double Dare, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to say Double Dare, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, uh, $10,000 Pyramid, all the the game shows that you've seen in your entire life, we're going to mix little bits and pieces of them up, and we're going to make the audience members play uh, to to have fun at Days of the Dead. That's what we do. I get, I get a little bit of a remote control vibe from it, too. Oh, man. Remember that, that show from that, MTV? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's where I met Colin Quinn and Adam right. Sandler and like so many of the amazing comedy legends that we know. Uh, all came from remote control, and and definitely there's a little bit of that in there, a little bit of uh, press your luck, no whammies. So uh, yeah, it's it's every game show you've ever seen, but dirty and at Days of the Dead horror oriented. So we 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 know what's up. You're gonna have a good time, and uh, also your friends are gonna record it, and you're gonna be embarrassed. Yeah, I'm really excited to be bringing the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show to Days of the Dead. I mean, it's it's one of the highlights of, uh, you know, Dragon Con, and we're going to bring it here. And I'm sure everyone's going to love it, but make sure you bring ID, because yes, you have to be 18, and yes, we are covering our asses, so we are checking ID for that we, one. We are, you know, as as you enter the door, we will be covering our asses, and once you're inside, we will be uncovering our asses. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, Friday night is just going to be an amazing night of entertainment on the blue track. It's going to be, be fucked up. Fun. Oh yeah, and so will we. <laughs> we will be too. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay, now coming up Saturday, February 3rd at noon, um, as we mentioned earlier, Captain and Maybell, they are going to be hosting a panel called Send in the Clowns. Oh man. If you remember last year on the blue track, if you were there, they did the history of the sideshow in horror. Which was fascinating. I mean, they broke it down from, you know, the silent films and Lon Chaney all the way up to, you know, American Horror Story. So in this one, they're going to be talking all about clowns in horror. Clowns are the big thing right now. With, you know, with the success of it, clowns just blew up. So they're going to be examining everything, all the Harlequin horror from the circus to killer clowns from outer space to, you know, again, Lon Chaney all the way up to it and everything. So yeah, we are going to, Check out Everything Clown with Captain and Maybell. Then at 1 p.m., Horror Makeup with Roy Woolley. Roy Woolley is a fan favorite. You know him from Face Off. You'll know him from a couple of other of the competition shows on Sci-Fi. I know him best as the man behind the madness at Netherworld who has done horrible things to my face for over a decade. <laughs> and he, he's a master of his craft, and he's going to be sharing his makeup tips with you. And, you know, it's... 
you can come learn from a master at 1 p.m. And just like everything else, you know, people would pay for that kind of class. But just like everything on the blue track schedule and the black track and the, the uh, film room, it's all included in the price of admission. All of this for one low price of, I'm not exactly sure what it is, go to the website and find out. <laughs> well, uh, the, the cool thing about Roy is even if you're not necessarily wanting to do makeup yourself, he's so entertaining that you can just go in there and hang out for an hour and you're going to have a good time. Yeah, and it's amazing just to sit there and watch him do makeup. It's yes. fascinating just to watch what he's going to come up with and the, you know, the transformations he puts people through is just, you know, insane. Well, and out of the names from Sci-Fi's Face Off, like he is he is the name. Like he's one of the ones that everybody can say, "Oh, Roy Woolley was on that." Yeah, he's he's the fan favorite. Absolutely. So then at 2 p.m. we have the Women of Independent Horror panel. Uh, this, uh, you know, this is the year of the woman. It's, you know, just, you know, the way it's going down. The, the Women in Horror Film Festival started here in Atlanta. We've got a lot of female directed horror coming out right now. And I, I always do an independent horror filmmakers panel and I started gathering all the names together. It's like, who do I have that I've not, you know, put on a panel yet? And I looked at all the talent I had and went, wow, the women are representing. So I gave them their own panel, man. It's going to be Brooklyn Ewing. And Dana Nofke, Vanessa Ionda Wright, and Lynn Hansen, the, those three other than Brooklyn, are all local talent. And my buddy Elizabeth Catherine Gray from the Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches podcast is going to be hosting that one. And that's going to put the spotlight on some really cool artists. I've been delving into their, you know, filmographies, getting ready to, you know, help with writing, pan, you know, questions for that and everything. And, Dude, these are some talented, talented ladies on this panel. So come and check it out and get exposed to their work and find out about all that kind of good stuff. Then at 3 p.m., we have the Independent Horror Filmmakers panel because, like I said, I had too much talent. I had to split it up, and we had, you know, we have two now. So on that one, we've got Robert Hall, who I said we'd get back to later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, that's what you call a segue. Nice. He, he directed Chrome Skull, Laid to Rest. He's been art department on some huge, you know, some huge films. He's an effects man. He's a director. He's multi-talented. Guy is amazing. Uh, we've got, of course, Brian Williams, who, you know, did uh, Space Base from Outer Space and all kinds of good stuff. Oh, yeah. Let me just real quick aside for the listeners. Yeah, go for it. If you haven't checked out Space Base from Outer Space, you really need to. I, oh yeah, I I know it uh, because of one of the actresses in it that uh, I, somehow or other I ended up connecting with on Facebook. I can't even remember how it was, but uh, you know the the hor- horror actresses are so good about promoting everything that they do, and I come across the Space Babes from Outer Space trailer, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> This is incredible. It's an and, 80s sex comedy. Man. Yes, it's, it is. It's awesome. It absolutely is. And the the tone is so perfect. And the way that it's shot, it just, it charmed the heck out of me. I, I highly recommend it for anyone. It's amazing. Yeah, he also directed uh, Time to Kill, not not the one with Samuel Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> A different one, which is also great. And he also threw out movies like Harvest Lake and Plank Face. In yes, my opinion. Yes, Plank Face, dude. In my opinion, Brian Williams is the best cameraman slash cinematographer in independent horror today. With that man does that you magic just, with a camera. Well, with the pictures that you just threw out, I'm, I'm going to have to go with you on that one. 
Yeah. And, and I yeah. honestly didn't, you know, I don't know names as well as you know names, but throwing out that pedigree, holy shit, you're right. Yeah, we've got uh, Molly Coffee is going to be joining us. She has directed a slew of shorts on her own. She's also been art department on stuff like uh, Stan vs. Evil and Walking Dead. And it's really cool because I get a lot of directors on here, but this time I've got, you know, directors and effects people, directors and cinematographers, directors and art department. And it's really cool to be able to, you know, explore all facets of filmmaking that way. Well, and our listeners are going to know Molly from Puppetry. Yeah, absolutely. We've worked with her a good bit in in various things with Bo Brown and and, uh, Puppetry-related stuff. Yeah, very multi-talented. I mean, she does it all, basically. Well, and that's that's what's so great about Atlanta is you've got so many people who are involved with so many different things and that from one project to another, oh, this person does puppetry. Oh, we can use them for this. Well, this person does effects. Oh, well, this isn't necessarily horror, but we can use them for this. Like, there's, there's such a good, tight-knit group here in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, the Atlanta talent pool is deep. It's ridiculous. I mean, if uh, let, me, let me think. Out of the eight people on my independent filmmakers panels, five of them are Atlanta-based. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that's that we're representing for Atlanta here. I love to use as much local talent as possible. That's one of the things I try and do in every city I go to. Like when we go to Louisville, I like to use Louisville filmmakers and you know Chicago, the Chicago filmmakers, and try and put the people from in their own scene in front of the people and be like, hey, these are these guys are representing you. Support these people. Check out their work. You know, so yeah, well, it's really cool to be able to put a lot of Atlanta filmmakers up there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the final guest for that, we have uh, Mike Lombardo. His movie, I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday, is God, <laughs> one of the most, uh, I don't even know how to, one of the most emotionally taxing holiday movies you'll ever watch in your life. I mean, it's it's grim, but it's so good and so well made. That's going to be actually be showing at 7 p.m. on Friday night. So I, I hate to talk about anything that's uh, scheduled against me, but you also—that's another great option. Let, let's just say the room is too full at Sin of Salvation. We can't seat anyone else. Go see that. There you go. Yeah. So he's going to be joining us, and that's the independent film horror filmmakers panel. That's actually what started. That was, you know, the kernel that the the uh, blue track grew out of. Because I've been hosting the independent horror filmmaker panel at Days of the Dead for, God four or five years something like that yeah and so when when i just you know when i got my own track i was like okay this is going to be the cornerstone this is going to be what i'm going to build my track around and the whole idea of i'm going to wave that flag for independent horror forever and that panel where i get to talk to independent horror filmmakers is always going to be our you know keystone event nice very nice yeah and then coming up at uh, 4 p.m what do we got uh needless things presents toy stories now Toy Stories has been at Dragon Con, it's been at Timegate, it's been at Toylanta, and, you know, the needless things are regulars, we get together and we share Toy Stories. We will show up with toys from our own personal collections that have significant stories attached to them, but we're also, at Days of the Dead, we're going to run down the history of horror toys. Now, this is not an exhaustive in 1962, for the first time ever, we got a figure of blah, blah, blah. We don't do that. 
We have a conversation about our passion, which is horror toys in this instance. So me, Ryan Cadaver, Battle Cougar, Nicole Gould, you know him from the Needless Things podcast. We're going to be hanging out, talking about horror toys, and we're going to recruit some very special guests that you're only going to see at the Days of the Dead Toy Stories panel talking about just the history of horror toys and how much we love this genre and the plastic representations of it. And whether that's Aurora Models, McFarlane Toys, Mark's Toys, whatever the case may be, we're just going to have a good conversation about toys. Now, as the listeners all know, if you show up for the Toy Stories panel, we would like for you to bring your own toy with your own story attached. If you've got a creature from the Black Lagoon that you spent 10 years hunting down, if you've got a Naka pinhead that you went crazy for and had to replace at some point, we want you to bring that toy with you and we want you to share the story behind that toy. I'm gonna, I love, I am all about crowd interaction. It's why we do a game show. And in, in the Toy Stories panel, I'm going to grab a mic, I'm going to walk out into the audience, and I'm going to ask you guys to share your own toy stories. But it's all going to be Days of the Dead horror-themed toys this time around. And I love the way you do that because I, I like for these to be as interactive as possible. Yes. In all of my panels, I want questions. I want it to become a conversation. You know, we're not just going to sit up there and talk at you. I want it all to be a conversation. I love that you use that style as well. And a quick aside, the Battle Cougar, uh, Nicole and I actually have a new podcast that's going to be debuting later on this month. Yes. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's going to be called Caught Dead Watching, where we basically watch the movies that you wouldn't be caught dead watching <laughs> and talk all about. We're talking the best of the worst. Like, for the our debut episode, I mean, this is actually an exclusive because we haven't uh, released this info yet. Oh, man. Uh, on the first episode, we are going to be covering a film called Barn of the Blood Llamas. Oh, I have if I have heard about this one. Oh yeah, and that's that's going to be our first episode, and if that title alone doesn't tell you what you're in for, this is, and this is saying quite a lot, this is probably in my top three weirdest movies I've ever seen. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> which covers a lot of ground. So yeah, me and Nicole, we're both, you know, horror nuts and trash aficionados. We love the bad movies, and so we're going to watch those movies that most of you wouldn't be caught dead watching and discuss them, bring them to you, and hey, maybe you might want to check them out on your own. So the first episode is going to be dropping on Monday, January the 29th, which is the Monday right before Days of the Dead. So go over to Facebook and check out the Caught Dead Watching page for all the information about where you can get that when it comes out. I feel like my top three weirdest movies probably would not make you or Nicole's top 100 weirdest <laughs> movies. Uh, you might, you might be right. We watched, watched some weird, weird shit, both apart and together. So. You guys are hardcore. So what's <laughs> yeah. happening after Toy Stories? Okay. After Toy Stories, we have an event that, okay. Oh, this is awesome. I'm stoked about this. I'm going to, I'm going to get real with you here. Okay. I have not done this event in Atlanta yet. Ooh. This is the first time I've done this at Atlanta. I came up with this idea after the Blue Track last year. We did it in Indianapolis, Louisville, and Chicago, and it's had varying degrees of participation. Okay. 
So I'm calling on Atlanta to really show up for this one because this is a really cool event when you get people in there. And the more people that participate, the more fun this is. I mean, this is going to be great. It's something I call the Terror Trade Swap Meet. Basically, what it is is everyone has got some movies they don't want. I mean, maybe you just didn't like the movie. Maybe you somehow ended up with two of them. Maybe you bought the Blu-ray and don't want the DVD anymore. You know, there's a million reasons why you have a stack of movies you don't want, or maybe some memorabilia even. I want everyone to bring that to the Blue Track Room at 5 o'clock, and we're all going to trade. Because the stuff you don't want, I guarantee you someone's looking for that movie. Sure, sure. And they've got something you want. So we're just all going to communally get together and trade movies. Which, I mean, that's it's such a cool idea, and it's so much fun. So I want to call upon Atlanta, bring those movies, come out to the Terror Trade swap meet. Let's make Atlanta the biggest one yet. That's, I love that. And, and like you said, memorabilia, too. Like, think about... Think about your own personal, like, whether you call it a man cave or the phantom zone or the toy room or whatever you've got, you've got some stuff sitting around that you're like, what the fuck do I do with this? Why do I still have this? To somebody else, whether it's a movie or whether it's like a movie, I mean, somebody could bring a movie poster, right? Oh, absolutely. Or somebody could bring... Uh, like a dark man figure, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. They can bring you can like I said, movies, memorabilia, toys, posters, whatever you want to trade, bring it. There's only one rule for this thing, and that's that money doesn't change hands in the swap meet. It's oh, I all love trades. It. Oh, that's that is beautiful. The, that is the only rule to this event. Everything else, bring it, man. It's fair game. I I am bringing a tub o goods down there. That's great. Awesome. Just to get some new stuff. Absolutely. That's great, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping this takes off in Atlanta because I've, I had a cool instance in, uh, where was it? It was in Indianapolis where there was a 12-year-old girl that, that came. And she walks in. She had just won a, an Eric Draven Crow figure in the costume contest. She's too young to remember the Crow, so she was like, eh, this is all right, you know? And so she comes in, and I end up trading her a stack of Val Luton movies for this figure. <laughs> and what's cool is I told her about him, and she had heard of I Walked with a Zombie. And she's like, she's really excited to go check out these old horror movies and get, you know, get the history. And so I'm like, yeah, I got a good trade for me out of that. But I'm, you know, I gave someone else something I know they're going to love and is going to instill the, you know, the love of horror in them. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> then my other great swap meet story was in Chicago. Uh, this woman walks in and puts two antique Ouija boards on the table in front of me. Whoa. And starts. It was made in 1978, blah, blah, blah. That's the original box. That's not the original plan ship of this one, blah, blah. Okay, bye, and starts leaving. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up, hold up. I've got this box of movies over here. But like, check them out. I'll trade you something for them. And so her boyfriend wants to go look at the movie. She's trying to grab him and leave. So he grabs a couple of the flicks, and they end up going. And then it dawns on me. And I look over at Lauren, and I'm like, yeah, I've seen enough movies to know what just happened. Yeah, she wanted to get this rid of them. Ju- this bitch just dropped two cursed Ouija uh, yeah. boards on us. <laughs> so yeah, dude. Like, yeah, 
yeah, we ended up with, and so she looks at me, she's like, well, you're not bringing them to the room. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up staying in the blue track room for the rest of the weekend, and we decided we did not want them in the plane as we flew home, so they found new owners before we left the con. But yeah, we ended up with cursed Ouija boards at the Terror Trade Swap Meet. Oh, so you tremendous. never know what people are going to bring to this. You never know. So, you know, bring your stuff, and let's trade, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's awesome. All right, main event of Saturday for the Blue main event, Track. 8 p.m. She was so pretty, too. Be good for goodness sake. This is the Southeast premiere. This is not shown anywhere in this region at all before, so this is your first chance to get your eyes on it unless you were at Days of the Dead Chicago. This is Brooklyn Ewing's follow-up to She Was So Pretty. It's a Christmas-themed horror movie, so come if you're not done with Christmas yet, come get some Christmas horror, man. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be very festive. And it, I've watched it. It's a really fun movie. All of you need to see it. That's at 8 p.m. on Saturday. The director and star will be in attendance. There might actually be some festive goodies going on. They're doing giveaways. So this is going to be a really cool event. And I love that I'm getting to premiere a movie on the Blue Track now. I mean, the Blue Track, like I said, is trying to engulf every different aspect of horror. And doing screenings as well as panels is one of the things that I'm really excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I mean, a movie premiere is, is such a cool thing to have to be a part of, of what you're doing at a horror convention. Oh, yeah, and, and, and it's a good one, which makes me happy because <laughs> let's, let's face it, there are some movies that I have worked the premieres for that I'm like, oh, I don't know how proud I am to present this one. <laughs> it's, it's a premiere, so it's cool, but uh, but this is a great movie. So I'm really stoked to be able to show this into Atlanta. I'll be there with my Santa hat on. Awesome. <laughs> like I said, festive, man. And then so, yeah, that's Sunday, Saturday. we close Sunday. everything out. Yeah, 1 p.m. on Sunday is the Franken-Thug panel. Franken-Thug is a upcoming horror comedy which is going to be debuting on DVD at Days of the Dead. So Days of the Dead will be your first chance to get a hold of this movie. And uh, one of the stars of this movie is a guy some of you might know by the name of Nathan Hamilton. Never heard of him. And yeah, he's he's an asshole. No one likes that guy. <laughs> but, I hear but, I hear he works really hard though. He does actually. I've shit. I filmed this movie with two herniated discs in my back. Oh my god! So there was a lot of uh, I was on crutches and then dropped the crutches when he says action. As soon as he says cut, sit down. So oh. if if you see me with a bit of a a bit of a limp in this movie, that's as real as it gets. But I I just kept reminding myself, you know what? Christopher Lee had four broken ribs when he did Horror of Dracula. I'm not going to let two herniated discs stop me from making Franken-Thug. You were a manly so, man, sir. Yeah, basically the whole thing behind this movie is um, I play the same character as I did in Frankenstein Creative Bikers, actually. The uh, the timelines don't may, might not sync up quite right, but yeah, the, uh, Satan's Zone moves into a town to take over the drug trade. We end up gunning down one of the local dealers who is brought back to life through what we call hood science, which is basically <laughs> weed, weed that will raise the dead. And he comes back and goes to war with Satan's own. Okay, our tagline, get rich, die trying, repeat. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to have the cast and crew of Franken-Thug there at 1 p.m. That one's going to be a lot of fun, so come hear about the movie. And uh, we're a bunch of crazy people worked on this flick, so that one could get rowdy at 1 p.m. on Sunday. And then at 2, we're going to close everything out with the Atlanta Horror Authors Showcase. 
Uh, I haven't done anything with the literary scene in Atlanta yet, and I really needed to bring that in this year because we've got a really vibrant literary scene. So Nancy Collins, Jeff Strand, and Daryl Grizzle, who are three of our local Atlanta horror authors, are going to be doing readings at 2 p.m. They're going to read short, either excerpts from a longer work or a short story. I'm not really sure because I want to be surprised, as you know, just like you guys. So I haven't yeah, asked yeah. them exactly. And so it's story time, man. We're gonna, we're, they're gonna come out and they're gonna read you a story, and they're gonna have their books available for you to get. So we're shining the spotlight on the Atlanta horror authors, which is gonna be a really cool event. That's awesome. That's a great way to close the show out too, because I, it's it's almost like you, you send them home with an experience, like hearing an author read their own work. Right in their own no, their work in their own words. I can't think of a better way to hear the story. Yeah, there's no purer way to experience it. That's very cool, man. Yeah, so like I said, we've got, you know, everything from, you know, literature to movies to a swap meet to burlesque to music to toys to makeup. You know, client, we've, I'm tr- we've got a little bit of everything on the blue track. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's the three-ring circus thing going on. You, we've got something you're going to like at some point. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. This is, to me, this is a must-do Atlanta event. Uh, but but it's crazy because Days of the Dead is not just in Atlanta, but to me, it feels like the our, our horror home because it's been such a fun, great thing. Every year it's been here. And it's not just about the guests. It's not just about the panels. It's also about getting to see so many people that I don't see every day and just partying, man. It's such a good party convention. Yeah, Days of the Dead. The interesting thing about Days of the Dead is now that I've been to all of the day. Well, I haven't been to Charlotte because that's starting next uh, this year. But having been to Indianapolis, Louisville, Chicago, and Atlanta, each show has its own flavor. You know, its own. You know, the local scene lends it its own identity. And I gotta say, Atlanta probably parties the hardest. I believe that. We we know how to throw down here in the dirty south, so yeah, come out and yeah, you've got the guests, you got the the vendor. We haven't even talked about the vendors room. We haven't even talked about the vendors room. You can find so many unique artists and dealers and memorabilia that, like you know, in this day and age, it's it's really hard to put together a good dealers room because there's so much stuff you can just go online and just buy. But the Days of the Dead vendor room, to me, there's always stuff in there that I'm like, holy shit, how have I never seen this before? Yeah, like, for instance, I, as some of you who know me may know, I'm kind of obsessed with patches. And this is one of the places I can walk in, and there's horror patches, and tons of them. So, like, if I want horror patches, this is one of the only places where I don't have to go online if I can go and actually physically put it in the people who made it, you know, put my money in the people's hand and get my patch. And, you know, whatever you're into, it's going to be in there. Whatever your sick little heart desires, you can find it in that vendor room. There's going to be toys. There's, there's going to be weird taxidermy. There's going to be clothes. There's going to be T-shirts, like, all kinds of weird stuff that, like, for me personally – I would rather walk up to a person and hand them my money than order something online. 
Oh, yeah. And that personal experience of being able to look at the goods in person, being able to see the quality, being able to see everything about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, one year there was somebody that had just a shit ton of horror soundtracks on CD, which is not as common a thing to find as you might think. And I picked up a bunch of horror soundtracks that I didn't even know were out on CD. Just all kinds of crazy stuff like that that you can walk up and see in person, and it's a totally different experience from, like, clicking on fucking Amazon. Yeah, and I guarantee you, as you're walking through there, you will see at least a couple things you didn't know existed. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you'll see, you will see at least one whole booth of things you didn't know existed. Oh my god, I didn't know this was a thing, and now I need it in my life, badly. Absolutely. Yeah, so, like I said, you've got the guests, you've got the vendors, you've got Blacktrack, you've got the the, uh, Film Fest. we got movies showing all weekend. So if you you know you just want to sit and chill for a minute, we got movies for you to watch, and of course we've got all the stuff that I've programmed for the Blue Track, and you've just got a great party with a whole bunch of like-minded weirdos, and it's going to be a blast. And it's, in my opinion, for for what it's offering, is very affordable. And as we said before, uh, you can go to the website and find out all about that. And their group, you can buy group tickets, like four tickets at once. And get a better deal on them than if you buy individual tickets. So if you're going down there with a group, which you should be, that's the way to do it. Right. I'm okay. I'm not 100 percent sure what the advanced price. I'm not even sure if they're, you know, still available. You have to check. But I, the door prices for Friday is 30 bucks. Saturday's 35. Sunday's 30, or the weekend for 75 dollars. Yeah, the whole weekend for 75 is great. Yeah, 75. I you can't go to a lot of film festivals. For seventy five, and we've got a film festival in addition to two two tracks and the guests and the vendors room and the party. Everything it's yeah, it's so much bang for your buck. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for coming on, talking about Days of the Dead, talking about the blue track hashtag Code Blue. Uh, I can't wait to see you, man. And and thank you so much for including Needless Things in the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show this year. We we could not be more excited to be part of this. And I'm so excited for you to come in. So, yeah, everybody, go to the Blue Track page on Facebook. That's where you're going to find out about everything Blue Track. And get your tickets. Today's the dead. And I will see you all at the Sheraton in February. Support Independent Horror. Dude, we'll see you next week. Oh, hell yeah, you will. It's coming up. God, it is that close, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is that close. Go to daysofthedead.com or daysofthedead.com slash Atlanta for all the information on everything that's going on. I mean, you just heard everything you need to know. I think you can go buy your tickets there. You can go buy a four-pack of tickets there and get yourself a deal on tickets for Days of the Dead Atlanta, but it's going to be a great time. We're going to have so much fun there, and... You don't even understand what that convention is. Because during the day, you've got the panels, you've got the guests, you've got the dealer room, you hang out, it's cool. At night, in the Sheraton Atlanta, when we all get together, it's fucking bonkers, you guys. There's no other way to put it. So, come out, hang out, be cool, have a fun weekend. And I don't even know what to talk about now, because... All of this stuff that I've been 
busting my ass on for the past couple of months is kind of wrapping up now. I've got I've got to find a new thing. I've got a couple of things uh, coming up, you know, before Dragon Con, which is obviously the next huge project. Uh, we'll be returning to Heroes Con this year, not in an official capacity, but I'll just be there hanging out and enjoying Heroes Con for being the best comic convention in America that it is. Uh, a few other things, uh, nothing springing to mind though, because quite frankly, you guys, uh, my brain is just going right now. I've got so much going on in it. So give me a couple weeks uh, to chill out and we'll, we'll be back to normal. Things won't be as crazy, I promise. Actually, things will get even crazier because our February needless commentary... Holy shit, you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.